0: Hey, it's so good to be here with you today. Uh, I'm Pastor Brian, if you don't know Tracy and I, we will be here Friday and Saturday for the marriage conference. So if you are one of the procrastinating couples, we know you and God knows you, he knows your name. We just don't know your name yet, so you have to register so that we know, so that we can make sure that we're ready for you. But I know a lot of folks are probably gonna be registering at the last minute, do it today. Uh, register for that conference online. Uh, if the $20 registration is a problem for you, we, we can waive it. That's, it's not about that at all. That just kind of helps pay for some of the food and snacks and all the stuff that we're getting. But we would love to see just lots of couples here. We believe in the family. We want to see our families strengthened. And it starts with mom and dad. It starts with husband and wife. So, so join us for that conference. We're excited about it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you've never been to one of our marriage conferences, it's a lot of fun. It's way more fun than Sunday mornings. It is. It's way more fun than Sunday morning, so make sure to come. Hey, we're in our fourth week out of five of our Culture war series. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, or a Bible app, you can, you can get to that spot. It's toward the end of your Bibles, if you're new to the Bible. I'm going to turn there now, but before we jump into week four, and I'm excited about this week. Man, was I glad we, I didn't have to preach last week. But I am excited about this week. This week's going to be good. But before we do that, there's a a different kind of war going on uh, this this last week, if you've been been paying attention to the news at all of the stuff that's going on in Ukraine. And so we wanted to take a moment and pray for that. Um, A few prayer points that we have today, and I'll invite you to join me in this, is we need to pray for alpiners who have been deployed. We have a you know being around the base, this campus, Leighton campus, West Haven campus, Syracuse campus, we have lots of alpiners that are connected to the Air Force Base, we just wanna say we appreciate you, we love you. If, if that's you, yeah, please. Last week in Leighton, I had a, a wife come up to me, said that her husband had been deployed, and, uh, and we know that, that it, it not only brings stress to, to the men and the women who are being deployed, but it brings stress to the family members who are, who are still here, left behind. We want you to know, if that's you, We wanna support you, we wanna love you. Please let Pastor Eric know, let use that welcome card to let us know that if you have a specific need, uh, if your spouse has been deployed. But we wanna pray for Alpiners who are over there right now, we wanna pray for the families of those deployed, and we wanna pray for peace in Ukraine. We wanna, you know, I've I've been, I was watching some of the stuff that's going on over there and putting, I don't know about you, but putting myself in their shoes, some of these families that are huddled in the train stations and huddled underground, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Would you join me as we pray for that right now? God, thank you. Thank you for those Alpiners who are serving our country. Uh, The words can't even express how I feel about that, how many of us in this room, all of us in this room, feel about that, these men and women who serve our country. And in particular today, we pray for those men and women who are deployed, who are uh, over on that side of the world right now, getting ready maybe whatever whatever exactly is going on with some of them god we don't know all those details but we know lord it brings it brings stress it brings adrenaline it brings just a whole mixture of emotions and we pray lord god for safety for those who are deployed not just alpiners but god for all of our military across this country and lord i pray that your angels would be around them and protect them and god we also pray for their families who who have who are here at home or holding down the fort at home. God, we pray for moms and dads and husbands and wives. We pray for their children. God, I know that that can bring incredible stress and anxiety into a family, and we just lift it up in the name of Jesus. We pray for your protection over those families. We pray for your provision in their lives. And God, we also pray for peace in Ukraine. Lord, I pray that, uh, that evil would be snuffed out, and God, that truth would win. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring a swift end to this conflict, and I pray, I just pray for those, those families and those individuals who are in a fight for their lives. We pray for them, God, and we pray for peace, and we know that you are Lord over the universe, and that includes all of the nations, and God, I pray that you would show yourself to be sovereign in this situation. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please continue to pray. In fact, uh, we want to issue a call to prayer Monday at noon. All that means is wherever you are tomorrow at noon, take a few minutes. Alpiners around the, the, uh, this whole region are going to be praying for these things. And I, I pray that you would just join us in that. Our, our pastoral team will be meeting, to, meeting tomorrow at that time. And we're going to take a moment to really have some prayer, so we we just wanna invite you to do the same thing tomorrow, wherever you are, noon tomorrow, call to prayer. All right, so today, talking about war, we're gonna talk about winning the war within. In our Culture war series, what we've been talking about is the fact that our culture, our secular culture, secular means non-Christian, our non-Christian culture is moving in this, in a certain direction, and and it's in a direction that's away from what God's word has to say. So God's word is very clear on so many points. And yet our culture is going in a different direction. And the question we've been asking throughout this whole series as we've been studying the book of 1 Peter. Remember, 1 Peter was Peter, the Apostle Peter's first letter to the churches in the region of Turkey. Uh, not far from where some of the conflict is going on right now. So it's interesting just historically to think about that. Peter wrote these words to a church that was starting to come under attack. In fact, Peter, if you haven't picked up on this yet, Peter ended up giving up his life in the culture war. Peter was martyred for his faith in the culture war. So some of you might, might look at what's going on right now in our culture and say, I shake my head at it, and say, has it ever been worse than this? And let me just tell you, yes, it's been worse than this. And God's church is still here. So let's not forget that we know the end of the story, we know that Jesus wins, although it will get worse before it gets better. It will get worse before it gets better. So that's why we're doing this series, because we want to see the words that Peter wrote to the early church 2,000 years ago, and we want to apply it to our situation today, as in America, the culture is moving in this other direction, away from God's word, away from God's standards, and away from his truth. And so we've talked about some of the lies that we've had to battle and that we have to be courageous and step up. And sometimes that means we need to speak out against the lies that this this world is, is promoting. And Pastor Eric did a good job last week. I know that was a hard sermon. I'm sure that's for some of you, especially if you're newer to the Bible, even if you're not newer to the Bible, you know, talking about what God's word says to husbands and wives. And we looked last week in chapter three, we looked at these Today, they'd be controversial words spoken to the family and the fact that God, God did make men and women to be different, and we're going to stand on that. God made men and women to be different, and I hope you had great conversations after last week's message as we talked about God's word. Let me just, let me just say one thing about chapter three before I move on to chapter four, because it just happened to be that I didn't have to preach that sermon. And it was the hardest sermon in all five of these sermons in the series. But I actually wanted to preach the sermon, and I wanted to preach it with my wife because I wanted to let a woman speak to some of that. So if you guys saw the resources on Pursue God, if you didn't see them, watch or listen to the podcast from last week because Tracy joined Ross and myself in the studio to talk through that stuff. And we, Tracy and I went home last week with our daughter, 21-year-old daughter, and we wrestled through Some of those conversations, some of those scripture verses from last week, because our daughter is influenced. Young people, I want you to hear this. You're being influenced by the secular culture, and then you hear something, maybe you heard last week, you heard something that God's word said that didn't ring true to you because there's so many voices in the secular culture that are saying stuff that go against God's word. And I know that you're brought to a point of decision when that happens. And my prayer for our families, my prayer for our young women and our young men, my prayer is that when you come up against something in scripture that you have a hard time understanding, I want you to hear this. My prayer is that you don't throw scripture out. My prayer is that you wrestle with it. And that's what our daughter was doing last week. She said, I'm just wrestling with this. I'm trying to understand it. She, she recognized that the reason it was hard to understand was because of the culture war that comes against her. All this stuff that is fed to her all the time in media and social media and within her friend groups, and then she, reads, she hears something like that and she says, I don't get it, and, and that's understandable, and it's gonna happen. Young people, hear this, it's gonna happen. There's gonna be stuff that you read in scripture, you're gonna say, I don't get that, and that's fair but it's a step too far when you say, and therefore I'm gonna throw that part out. That's not what a Christian does. What a follower of Jesus does, it's value number one for our church, is we look to God and his word in everything we do. So what a follower of Jesus does is you wrestle with it. When you, when you come up against something that doesn't ring true to you, you wrestle with it and you submit, like that first point last week, you, 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 are, you submit yourself to God's authority. You say, God, you're the boss, I'm not the boss of me, you're the boss, help me to understand this. Clearly I'm seeing this wrong, help me to understand this. When Tracy and I have a fight, that's the best way to resolve a fight, is instead of me entrenching myself in my perspective and she entrenches herself in her perspective, it's so much better for our marriage for me to say, I'm clearly seeing this wrong, help me to understand your perspective, right? Come back on Friday night to learn more about that. That's a good way, because what we do in conflict is we tend to get in our own little boxes and we, we are like, this is how I see it and this is the right way to see it. I mean, we do this in relationship, in marriage, in friendship, whatever. This is the right way to see it, and we have a hard time seeing it the other person's way. Well, the same thing happens with God. We say, this is, this is the right way to see it, and we have to be self-aware enough to realize that the reason we see it this way is because of the influence and the voices that are coming at us every single day, more than ever before in history, with media and social media. And so we have to be aware enough to recognize that that's how the enemy's going to boil the frog by turning up the heat slowly. And pretty soon we're in a boiling pot and we don't even realize it. And so that's why we always want to come back to God's word. And I thank God for some of those passages that are hard. And my, again, my challenge to you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, is, is don't get in your box and say, I'm right and you're wrong, God. No, what you need to say is, God, help me to understand that. Help me to understand what you're saying because I don't see it. And so we had to do that last week. And we might have to do it this week, but probably not, because today's sermon in chapter four, it's gonna get a little bit more obvious what we're talking about. It turns out that the culture war isn't just a battle that we fight on the outside. It's not just a battle that we fight against secular ideology, but there's a character war that first needs to be be won on the inside. And that's where Peter finally goes. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's talking about out there. He's talking about the culture out there and the lies and all the stuff. And we've talked about that, to be faithful to Scripture. And then in chapter 3, he moves into talking about the family and how it impacts the family. And so it started to get closer to home. Literally, it got closer to home. And then we turn to chapter 4, and now he talks about you, individually. Because after all, the church is made up of a bunch of individual Christians And so, if a bunch of individual Christians fail in their character, in their integrity, if a bunch of individual Christians fail to honor God in their life and in their lifestyle, then how in the world are we collectively going to win the culture war? If all the soldiers on our side of the war, all of us Christians, if, we're, if we don't actually live according to this, then what right do we have to step into the world and call them to live according to this? Does that make sense? And that's where Peter turns now as he talks about winning the war on the inside for you as an individual Christian. And today we're gonna to take a look at Five parts as we break down 1 Peter chapter 4. And if you haven't read this chapter in a while, I encourage you later today to read it for yourself in full. And we're going to go through some of it right here. Number one, Paul, Peter says to chase God. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 2, he says this. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God, let's underline some of this. I love, I love this, the word that he uses here, this is the NLT, the word he uses here is a very active word. He talks about chasing. But what he's saying is chasing your own desires and he's contrasting it to chasing the will of God. Think about how much you chase your own desires. Think about that word chase. That is like you are running hard after it. You are chasing something. Is that a word that you would use to describe your relationship with God? I bet you for a lot of us it's not. You chase a lot of other things. You're really excited about your, your football team, especially if you're a Rams fan this year, right? You know, the more godly people are Bears fans. We don't chase <laughs> titles. We don't need to chase titles. You know, we love Jesus. We don't need to chase titles. I mean, think about this. Yeah, pray for us. Think about, think about the chase, right? Think about what you chase. Some of you chase entertainment more than you chase God. I don't want to point fingers at you. I'll, I'll use a personal example. Tracy and I are now empty nesters. Hallelujah. This is awesome. We're still learning what this means. Some of you have given us some great insights, uh, some good feedback on how to do this right. But one of, one of the things that our, our my good friend Dean Hoffman shared with us. He said, look, you need, it's time. It's time to get some dual recliners. (laughs) And we did, you know, we're, we're like, you know, we're gonna get... And so we, we went on the chase for some dual recliners. And I, I mean, it just we were so excited about going and looking for stuff. And we would, we would snap pictures of this and say, Kenzie and AJ, what do you think about this? And they would laugh at it and they would mock our choices. Because we're old. We're old people. We get it now. We're not even going to pretend we're not anymore. We're old people and we will embrace our dual recliners. And I want to tell you today that we have. We got rid of our couch and we have dual recliners, and we go, yes. I, I hear some of you, some of you who understand that chase, you're with me on this. And I bring that up, because all week this week, it's been fun. We, we can't wait to go downstairs after dinner, before we go to bed, and we get in there, we get, we snuggle in there, we get our blanket, some of you young people are looking at me like, you are so old, I can't believe you, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever, you do you, I'm going to do me, all right? And we get under our blankets and we watch our show and it's we love it. It's so fun. But you know that is so tempting to chase just that? To chase our own comfort, to chase our own entertainment. Man, it is like a con it's not even just sin that lures us away from God. It's just comfort. It's just entertainment. Now there's nothing wrong with us buying dual recliners. There's nothing wrong with that. I, what I'm, the reason I bring this up is, I want, I want you to think about in your own life, are you that excited about your pursuit of God as you are about that new thing you bought or, or that show that you guys found on Netflix? This is, this is, I think, how we can apply this to us today. He says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, But look at the other side, he says, but instead, you will be anxious. I mean, that's a word that we use, that's a bad word, anxious, right? But he's using it as a good word. The anxiety I want you to feel is anxiety to do the will of God. Like, I am so anxious to do the will of God. I wanna know what God's word has to say to me, and I can't wait to do the will of God. I am like lined up waiting to do the will. We should have lines of people out there today Serving in kids' church. Like, I am so anxious to serve in kids' church today, I can't even wait. And by the way, I have to give kudos to you guys, because I drove up this morning, and I, half hour before the service started, and the parking lot was a quarter full already. That's awesome. That's an example of people who are anxious to do the will of God. You're here serving. You're here giving. There's a buzz around this campus. I love it. This is what Peter is calling us to do. He's calling us to chase God. That's why when we started PursueGod.org, we called it PursueGod.org, not PeruseGod.org. Because we pursue him. That, That word is intentional. We chase him. And that's what Peter is saying to do. And then the second thing he says is related to it. He says, so therefore you don't Plunge into destruction. Verses three and four. He says, "You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols." Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. Isn't that interesting? He says. Your former friends, so you see the culture war? He says, your former friends, you came out of that life. You were supposed to break up with that life. You were, supposed to, you were supposed to put it to death. You know, when we do baptisms, baptism is a symbol of dying to your old way and coming up to a new way. And I love, I love that symbol. I love that we're, in, in fact, we see it, the language in scripture, it talks about death. You died to your old way, and now you're living to a new way. But what Peter is saying is that your friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into, these, into this flood of wild and destructive things, that they're shocked when you don't do what they do. Let me just ask you this, is that true? Is there a difference between you and your secular friends? Young people, I want you to hear this. This isn't just for young people, but I want to make sure young people hear this. Is there a difference between you and your secular friends? Because if you can't see a difference, then maybe you're not really chasing God. If they can't see a difference, then maybe you're not really chasing God. There should be a very practical difference between the way we as Christians live and the way non-Christians live, but... If you look at the statistics, there's no way. I look at what's popular on Netflix, and I say, Christians should not be watching this, and yet looking at how popular it is, and yet our nation is still supposed to be Christian, clearly, Christians are watching it. There should be a difference in what you watch. Young people, old people even. Empty nesters, I want you to hear that. We should have discernment when we cuddle under our blankets, in our dual recliners, and when we watch the stuff that we watch. It's getting harder and harder to find good stuff to watch. But I'm not gonna be, pl- Tracy and I are not gonna be plunged into the flood of the wild and destructive things. It's not just parting on the weekends. It's also what we allow in our living rooms on Tuesday night. There should be a difference. Our former friends should be surprised. We shouldn't all just be doing the same stuff. But we have to win this war within in order to do it. Number three. Then he starts, in verse seven, he starts talking about your prayer life. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Wow. Doesn't it feel like that? Sometimes you, li- you listen to the radio, you listen to you watch the news, you're like, the end of the world is coming soon. I, I remember when the pandemic hit, and remember there was an earthquake down in Magna. I had people, we had people on our pastoral team texting and emailing and calling us saying, is, the, is this the end of the world? You know, they were like, pastor, tell me, is this the end of the world? And I, I think that's how it felt for Peter too. He says, the end of the world is coming soon, but look at what his therefore leads to. Anytime you see the word therefore, in the Bible, you should ask, what's it? Therefore, Therefore. thank you, none of you heard that? We have failed our job. Anytime you see the word therefore, you should ask, what's it there for? And here's what he says, the end of the world is coming, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. One of the most earnest times in my life of prayer is about 15 years ago, you've heard the story, when I was diagnosed with cancer, It was a wrong diagnosis, but for three weeks, I thought I was dying and this cancer was eating away my bones and I'd never prayed so earnestly in my life. And some of you know what I'm talking about. There's there's a crisis in your life that caused you to pray like never before. And this is what he's saying. The end of the world is coming soon. So get after your prayers. Sharpen your prayer life. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. The podcast this week on Pursue God on this topic, by the way, if you, if you haven't started listening, make sure to listen to those. And this week's podcast is uh, with Pastor Eric and Pastor Ross, and we talked about what this actually means in your life. What does your prayer life actually look like? Because I know a lot of people don't really have a picture for what prayer should be. And I I got that picture when I was in high school and I started going to early morning prayer at my church. And the pastor of the church would go to that as well. Some of the other leaders in the youth group would go and we would... Like five in the morning, oh my gosh, and I'm not a morning person. Five in the morning, we'd pray together, but I was desperate to sharpen my prayers. I wanted to learn how to pray. And I remember one morning I got in there before anyone was there. The lights were kind of dark in the auditorium, and I was just in there praying, and I heard the vacuum cleaner going, running. I'm like, man, the, the custodial crew's here awful early. early. And I'm, I'm hearing this, this hum of a vacuum cleaner for the first 15 minutes, and then I realized it wasn't the vacuum cleaner, <laughs> it was my pastor about three rows away, groaning before the Lord in prayer. And I learned from him what prayer looked like, what, that prayer was, was that being, being, what it says here, being disciplined in your prayer. There is, a, there is a side of prayer that's very spontaneous, but there's also a side of prayer that's very disciplined, where, where you have structured time, Every day, and you spend time in prayer, I asked Eric and, and Ross in the podcast, I'll let you listen to it for yourself, but I said, hey, be really specific. What does that look like for you? What does your prayer life look like? And, and Eric shared something that's similar to mine. Eric and I both, we, our prayer time in, in the morning, and Tracy's the same way, is I usually start by reading the Word in the morning. I do my scripture reading in the morning, and then after that, I spend some time in prayer, some disciplined structured time in prayer. That's how I've been sharpening my prayer life, and I want to challenge you guys to do it. Young people, I challenge you to do it. It's not, there's never, it's never too early to learn to pray and to spend some time in prayer. And it's, all it is, it's just like a conversation. You're just talking to God. You're bringing stuff to God. If there's something that keeps distracting you in your prayer time, which is me too, I'm kind of ADD. If you get distracted in your prayer time, then pray for that thing. That's probably why it's on your mind. It's because you need to pray for it. Pray for that thing, and then you can put it away and pray for some other stuff. One of the things I like to, I like to journal in my prayer, and my prayer journal is my, my uh, Google Tasks app. I have uh, turned that app into a prayer journal. That's what I use it for. I have all these different lists on there, and instead of checklists that I check off, I I add prayer needs on there. I've got, a, I've got a list for this campus. I have a list for all of our other campuses. I have a list just for my personal family and my, prayer, my just kind of a personal prayer list. And I go through there. Every single day I go through there and I pull up my list because I kind of need to do that. Otherwise, I, I'll lose my focus. And I begin to pray for some of those things. Another great thing for prayer, if you've never, I use this, Pastor Eric said on that podcast, he uses this as well, is the PRAY acronym, P R A Y. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. So many people think that prayer is just about that prayer list, like I mentioned, but it's so much more than that. It's praising, spending some time on a regular basis, praising God, telling him who he is, repenting, confessing some of the stuff in your life that needs to be confessed. And then you spend some time asking and make sure to spend some time yielding. Yielding is when you just stop and listen and let God speak to you. Prayer is a lot like a relationship with your spouse. It's, it's not just, hey, if I just came to Tracy once, once a day in the morning after my Bible reading time, time, could you imagine if I came to her and I just said, here's my list of things. Here's my request from you today. What would our relationship be like if, that's, if that was our, the only communication we ever had? It'd be pretty bad. If that sounds like your marriage, come on Friday night because you'll learn some other things. Because it shouldn't be like that. It should be a real relationship. So even though there is some structured time where we need, some, we need to get, like, get into the details of this thing or that thing, and there is some, a lot of structured time, I would say even every day, there's structured time. There's also just interactions throughout the day, back and forth. There's just interaction throughout the day. And that's how our relationship with God can be in prayer. So sharpen your prayer if you want to win the war within. It's not just about honoring God in your everyday life. It's also about going on the offensive and sharpening your prayer life. I I encourage you to do it. And you can start by praying tomorrow at noon with the other Alpiners around the campuses. Number four, as Peter goes on to verses eight and nine, he he tells us that we should show love in practical ways. He says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Here's what I love about, I I just love God's word. I love how practical and timeless God's word is. Here Peter is writing 2,000 years ago and this still completely makes sense to us. We can all relate to it. He's He's not saying talk about love. He's not saying tell people you love them. He's he's not saying write it on a poster or or put it on a plaque in your home. He's saying to show it in a very practical way. Now look at his, I think this is just one example, but let's just use his example. His example is to cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you just said, hey, you need a place to stay? Come stay with us. Hey, you need a meal? Here's a meal. Our son, AJ, turned 19 last week, last Sunday, turned 19, and we said, AJ, what do you want for your birthday? He said, I want you to take me to Costco. We're like, okay, we'll take you to Costco. And he said, he said I want to buy, I don't remember what he calls him, but I want to I put together some meal packs. So we, we went to pa- Costco with him and he went and he, he, he bought like all these different types of snacks and packs and he, we bought some uh, one-gallon Ziploc bags and some socks because he's 19 years old, so he needs some socks, right? No, that's not what we did it for. We did it because he drives in Salt Lake. He drives through the, through the city every day to go to work and he, he's driving by homeless people every day. And he does what most of us probably do. You look, at, you look at a homeless person, you say, hey, I love you, God bless you, I love you. And he just feels like words are cheap. So he wanted to do something about it. So for his birthday, he put together 40, I don't know what he calls them, love packs, care packs, whatever he calls them. It's got, it's got sock, it's got a pair of socks, it's got food, it's got water, it's got all this stuff so that when he, when he goes by someone, he's got a little note, he put, in, put a scripture verse in there so that when he drives by someone he's got his, his car looks like he's homeless because he's got 40 of these packs in his car in the back seat of his car so that when he drives by someone he could just grab it, roll down the window and give it to him. That's an example of doing something practical for people in our lives. Peter is saying words are cheap, do something, do something. And then the last thing, is he says to use your spiritual gifts. And we'll end with this, verses 10 and 11. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. The reason we underline those is because I thought it was interesting that Peter's spiritual gift list is a lot shorter than Paul's. Paul talks about it in other places. Peter just breaks it down into two categories. Some of you are good with words. You can use it for God's glory. Some of you are just better with helping and serving. And you could use it. What I love, it just kind of covers all the bases. It covers introverts and extroverts. It covers everybody. God has uniquely equipped all of us to to be gifted in such a way that can make an impact on someone else's life. And that's a big part of winning the war within. Because at the end of the day, winning the war within is recognizing it's not about you. It's not about you. Your world isn't all just right in here. Winning the war within, ironically, winning the war within is about looking outward. And this is what Peter says to do. So if you want to win the culture war, Christians, if we want to win the culture war, we got to do these five things. That's what Peter says in chapter 4. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do this. God, that we would be individual Christians who collectively are moving moving in a certain direction, and it's the direction of submission to you. God, let us be the kinds of Christians who don't plunge into the destructive things that the world around us does, that our our old friends still do. But God, that we would live a different kind of life. God, that we would live lives that honor you, and that it would would draw the attention of the people around us. They would say, there's something about you that's different than the world at large, and I wanna know more about it. And God, I pray that that would happen more and more, even this week, Lord, as we, your people, as your, as your sons and daughters win the war. We win that battle within. It starts inside of us. Thank you, Jesus, that you did the work to defeat sin once and for all. And God, I pray that we would appropriate it by our very lives. So have your way in us and through us as we chase God, as we we chase you more than we chase the other things, the the other pleasures of this world, God, may we chase you, young and old, may we chase you for your name's sake. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.